Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. As we are recording this podcast today, I caught you guys with a surprise. Evan, did you forget we were recording 13 seconds after we hit record? No. I was <laughs> as we do our real-time analysis of this Leaf game, that's what that reaction was from. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, that uh that ties in because as we're recording, uh we are watching game five of the uh Toronto Columbus qualifying round series. Um I tried to delay this episode as much as possible, but um, the two grandfathers over here were begging me because it would blow past their bedtime of, is it 10 p.m.? You guys like to be in bed when you can? Correct. You say that as a joke, but <laughs> is that what I have to look forward to in like 40 years when I'm your age? <laughs> also, the physical pain in every single joint every time you step. You didn't. Oh, yeah. Don't yeah. talk you to me about physical pain today. You hear that, Evan? Brad's Brad has it worse than you. Tell you us how, Brad. I am older. That's why. <laughs> that is the end of the statement. If I took off my shirt right now, we could probably uh, even it out because <laughs> I am burnt. <laughs> if you took off your shirt right now, this would be a Patreon exclusive, and you know it. This would be an my OnlyFans account. <laughs> We'd make more money. We would. Yeah. I I, I say that ironically. We could actually make more money that way. We could just wear jerseys and no pants. That's that's too far. That's already too far. We're we're not even two minutes in and I've already taken it too far. Welcome to the Wind Wheel Podcast. Uh, A little silly tonight. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm old man Brad. And I am permanent Red Wings jersey because I'm so burnt, Evan. Evan, don't ever say that Evan can't fit uh, or doesn't buy into the the bit here. So uh, on the docket for the Winged Wheel podcast today, obviously, we have some Red Wings stuff to talk about. But uh, more than anything that's relevant to the hockey world, the qualifying round, as expected, has been uh, utterly chaotic to the point where we don't even know how it's going to end with its biggest storyline so far. So by the end of this episode, as the second period of the Toronto-Columbus game five winds down, uh, we'll know the result of it and what eight teams are in this <clears throat> bullshit second lottery. Um, and that's just the beauty of podcasting. You want our good content? Well, I'm going to have to make two old people stay up. Not even that late to bring it to you. Uh, we'll be doing our prospect analysis uh, or prospect profiles um, on a pretty popular uh, guy that's brought up quite a bit today for a possible second round pick and then head into overtime. Uh, also, momentous occasion, Brad, you might not know this, but for the first time in, I believe, nine calendar years, um, and I checked the records on this one, Evan didn't go golfing on a weekend in August. If we're not including Fridays. <laughs> Evan didn't go golfing on a Saturday or Sunday in August. Wait, what time did he golf on Friday? Uh, in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't count. No, that's still count. you left work early. That's what I count that as. Um, okay, the qualifying round. Wow, was Friday? It was Friday, right? The yeah, the night of mayhem was Friday. Yes, yes where five teams could be eliminated and four of them did. Yeah, which was, I want to say surprising that it was that many, but I don't even think it was surprising. I was more surprised that it wasn't five in the end. No, I'm I'm surprised because in a qualifying round that we knew would be chaotic, 
that we repeated ad nauseum, anybody could win because everything is weird and everybody's rusty and this isn't normal. Only one series went five games. That's the most unbelievable part for me. I thought over half of these series would go to the distance, not one. It's that that that's the weirdest part of this all to me because I jokingly said in our predictions Pittsburgh over Montreal in two games. Pittsburgh didn't even win two games and and lost the series convincingly. Although when you look at everything about that series, Pittsburgh should have won the series. But, you know, uh, apparently rumors of Carey Price's demise have been greatly exaggerated. Which, I mean, again, anyone could have predicted. Anyone throwing down the whole, oh, Carey Price is washed. First of all, he's not washed. He'll bounce back in future years. That's just the way goalies go. Dwayne Rollison was like 38 when he played his best hockey or some stupid shit like that. But all you need for the playoffs is a hot goalie, and that'll take you a lot of the way. And any goalie can get hot. That's the trick of it. But what goalie is most likely to get hot? The guy who probably has the most raw talent of any goaltender in the world, if not one who's up there. Carey Price's goals saved above expectation in that series was roughly seven. That was a four-game series, meaning he saved almost two extra goals per game. And how many games did Montreal win by more than one? Not counting empty netters, none. So Carey Price literally stole them every game they won. This is going to lead me into another rant later, but I want to go through series by series first. But Carey Price literally stole them that series. Because at, at no, I'm not going to say at no point, but for the near entirety of that series, Pittsburgh was the better team. No matter what stat, analytic, whatever you want to look at, Pittsburgh was the better team. I, yeah, that that series is just kind of like an encapsulation of everything that we talked about with how chaotic a five-game series coming back from months off was. And not to say like we're trying to defend our picks. First of all, nobody in their right minds, could have been confidently said that Montreal won how they did. Secondly, we'll gladly take our lumps. We actually, I'm, I'm drawing up the, uh, <laughs> I'm drawing up like the the scores here for our qualifying round predictions, and and we qualified. Sorry, uh, we qualified all these predictions with. It doesn't matter. Everything's up in the air. You can't really predict much right now. But we got an astounding amount wrong already. I don't remember my picks, but if I got more than two right, I'm legitimately surprised. You have two right so far if Columbus wins today, it'll be three. Evan Amazing. has two right so far if Columbus wins today, it'll be three. I have two right so far if Toronto wins today, it'll be three. Oh, my God. So that's out of eight. So all three of us are under 50%. Comfortably. It's like we have it's, no idea what we're talking about. It's, <laughs> it's almost like this hockey is chaotic. It's almost like hockey in general is chaotic involves a lot of random chance and when you throw in extra randomness factors this is what you get this yeah. is so what you get let's let's go series by series that has been concluded so far 
Um, and we'll save Toronto Columbus for when we know the end uh, of it. The second period just ended and Columbus is up one nothing for the record. Um, so let's start with Oilers Blackhawks, which is an interesting one. Oilers were the five seed. Chicago was the 12 seed. Uh, and Chicago ended up winning 3-1. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins all popped off. Big series, ridiculous numbers, did exactly what you think they would have done. And I can sit here and say pretty comfortably, Edmonton still deserved to lose that series. That is how atrocious their defense and goaltending is. It is staggering. That team finished fifth place. If Edmonton had better goaltending for one or two games... I think the season go this season the series goes their direction. I don't think they they necessarily deserve the win or played much better like I think Pittsburgh did over Montreal. But like you said, they they weren't lacking the production, and I don't think anybody could reasonably expect their defense to all of a sudden turn into like this incredible like stone wall. You can't stop us, Fort Knox defense. But you just needed a couple solid nights of goaltending, and they didn't even get that. Uh, Chicago firing in all cylinders, Kubli, Kane, Taves, credit to, to Corey Crawford. I don't give that guy enough credit ever. Um, and credit to him. Like they showed up to play. They capitalized on Edmonton's weaknesses. And if Edmonton scored four, they scored five. Like that's just how they played. And that's why they're moving through. Do I think I'm any confident that they're going to win a, a real playoff round? <laughs> if it's more than one, I'll be shocked. They are, are not going to eat absolutely wiped by vegas there's no way yeah and vegas is a far more complete team than yeah there was are even with leah dreisaitl and Connor mcdavid yeah with the mvp voting this year i was very like mm, i don't know if i can give my mvp vote if i had one to leon dreisaitl because he has Connor mcdavid after watching that series, I'm fully convinced that every year Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid need to be 1-2 in the MVP race because, oh my God. It uh. is. It is ca- and, okay, here's the one thing that was bothering me about this series, at least in terms of the blame game. Their goaltending was bad. Not much you can do about that, except for maybe don't start the guy with a 902 save percentage in game one who immediately after you take an early lead in the first playoff game, your goalie literally hands it back to them like a minute later. You know, I'm not a big believer in momentum, but if there was ever time that it was going to cause a pretty big swing, there it was. And I think Chicago filled in like three more in the next 10 minutes after that. Um, And their defense is bad. But Dave Tippett probably through a series worse than any other coach in this first round because you can say Edmonton doesn't have a lot to work with especially on defense quick name more than three defensemen on the New York Islanders Pulak Boychuk Taves the fact that taking still this there, long right? proves my point yeah yeah anyways <laughs> so yeah coaching can create competent defense and not only was the Oilers defense not competent it was catastrophically bad he made abhorrent decision after abhorrent decision Miko Koskinen didn't have a great series but he had a 917 save percentage in the regular season Mike Smith had a 902 there's no rational thought that should ever make Mike Smith start game one their penalty kill garbage that's on the coaching their 
just overall structure atrocious. It looked like their game plan was literally give the puck to Connor and see what happens, which isn't a bad game plan. But, you know, he can't be on the ice for 60 minutes. So you got to figure out what to do for the other 35 to 40 minutes of that game. The, the final minute of the last game, the Edmonton Oilers are down one goal fighting for their season. And he's got Chris Russell on the ice. Pellick is one of them. Nick Letty. Yeah. Andy Green. Um, oh, yeah. That I Green's actually thought about it. I forgot that one. But it, my point being is Thomas Hickey. That's who I couldn't get. Thomas Hickey. I was like, it's a funny sex name, but I couldn't think of it. There you go. So anyways. But yeah, I, I think out of everybody on the Oilers, I think Dave Tippett deserves the most blame. Not even the goaltending. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and I'm going to relate this to a little bit of whining. If you guys can believe it or not, I'm going to do a little bit of whining in a second. Um, Brad, I think you and I both got this. And I think Evan a little bit too. Uh, we were tweeting during like the, the Friday night massacre, we'll call it. And uh, a lot of people just missed the point on a lot of tweets, for example. <laughs> Oh, and, yeah. uh, oh, did they ever? <laughs> and it's funny because they converge. Like Brad and I made very separate tweets and they converged to the same like error. Uh, Brad tweeted about it, how it was funny that the NHL, uh, NHL's like stupid system caused like a bunch of their best superstars not to be able to be advertised in the playoffs. And I made the point that uh, a team with either Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin or um, McDavid and Dreisaitl are going to get uh, Lafreniere as well, or have a 25% chance of getting Lafreniere as well. And the convergence and the idiocy was that hockey is a team sport and it's not just about one guy and this isn't basketball. And it's like everyone kept like saying that and it was like, yeah, all right. like that's <laughs> So I'm going to expand on my point because a lot of, um, we'll call them Twitter eggs, the ones who don't follow you and just troll you were in my mentions and I don't bother though, but I know a lot of listeners were also in my mentions on this one. So let me clarify because it is really hard to make this grandiose point in a tweet. So uh, my one thing Brad isn't it's grandiose, (laughs) right? So my, my everybody knows my original thoughts on this play in series that having 24 teams was stupid. This should have, Montreal had a less than 1% chance of making the playoffs and Pittsburgh was for all intents and purposes in. They were 99.5% chance to make the playoffs. Now they're not in Montreal's in. You can debate that they had to play their way in, but literally Pittsburgh lost that spot because of a hot goalie and a garbage, garbage system. I thought it should be a 20 team playoff because you could at least make a reasonable case for two teams in each conference still had a shot to get in. Not a great one, but a shot. So let me start by saying that. But the NHL didn't do that for very obvious reasons. The 11th seed in the Eastern Conference was the New York Rangers, and the 12th and 12th seeds were the Chicago Blackhawks and the Montreal Canadiens. And they very much wanted to get them involved. Now, here's where the NHL is going to be happy. The Montreal Canadiens and the Chicago Blackhawks are involved. Here's the reality of it. They won't be involved for long. But do you know who's not involved now? Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby. They're golden boys. They're most marketable players. The player any common American sports-loving moron or Canadian sports-loving moron like us would know of. Even if we don't watch hockey, 
you know the names Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby, even if you are just a passing observer. They do not get to market them now. This stupid garbage about them probably likely getting five or six extra games of Montreal and Chicago cost them an even better marketing opportunity of potentially their two biggest superstars going deep into the playoffs. And by all rights, those teams earned those spots. We just hilariously laughed at Edmonton because they're terrible. It doesn't matter. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are that good. They dragged them to fifth place. And had they been given some actual playoff runway, hey, maybe their goaltending figures it out. Maybe their defense figures it out. We don't know. I wouldn't put it past McDavid and Dreisaitl if this was a seven-game series to come back from 3-1 to beat the Hawks. I wouldn't rule it out. But this is the biggest, the big point of that tweet that everybody missed. I understand hockey is a team game. I like that hockey is a team game. You can't market a team game to casual observers. You market stars. You market personality. If I'm not, if I'm watching the NBA and out of the four major North American sports, the NBA is number four for me. If I'm watching any team other than the Raptors, who am I watching? I'm watching LeBron. I'm watching Steph. I'm watching Harden. Because I couldn't name more than one or two players on any of these teams other than these guys. That's the same for hockey. These people will watch Connor McDavid. He's a freak. He's the fastest kid alive. So I understand that in the dressing room, it needs to be a team game. But for the NHL to grow... Which is what all of you who are arguing me want to happen. You can't understand why hockey's not more popular because you love the game and appreciate it the same way I do. You need to market the stars. You have to. Crosby, McDavid, McKinnon. These guys need to be in the American viewer's face constantly. And you can argue, well, you can't just put them in the playoffs. And I agree with that. Oh, not the way the NHL does the lottery. They were in the playoffs, and now the NHL took them out. Well, thank God the NHL... Thank God the NHL still thinks Chicago is uh, the be-all and end-all. Well, they are. They'll get lots of views, but they're... Vegas is going to run a train on them. Vegas is a way better team than Edmonton. And if they don't, hey, it's a great story and the NHL lucked out. But if you're the NHL, you can't hope for luck. They got lucky once Chicago got this far. Well, actually, I would argue they got unlucky Chicago got this far because McDavid would have been better for them. The NHL told Detroit fans to hope for luck, and they can suck my... Yeah, and and that... (laughs) My aloe vera. So anyways, my point being, I'm not arguing hockey's not a team game, but marketing is on the stars. If you want this game to get more popular, Crosby and McDavid are your answers. And now they don't get to use it. You started your single syllable syllable point thing way too early in that sentence. You had too much runway. I know. I don't care. It's just I <laughs> like all these people in my mentions arguing a point I'm not making. I know just it's to, a in, team game. To interject further on your behalf, Brad, if you're a hockey purist, which literally all three of us on this podcast are, so everyone who's getting high and mighty and extolling the virtues of like, you know, hockey is a team sport, you don't have to tell us we've played coached ref bled this game our entire lives that's why we 
spend an inordinate amount of time on this podcast. We are not, we're the choir. You don't have to tell us. Trust us, we know. For everything Brad said in this point as well, the NHL has hemorrhaged money since March. Hemorrhaged. And they are not the NFL. They are not Major League Baseball. They are not the NBA. In terms of financial uh, security and in terms of popularity, like Brad mentioned, it's unfortunate. Do I think hockey is the greatest sport on earth? By a country mile. I don't think anything comes close. There's this like cool game in Thailand with a hacky sack and they kind of kick it over the net. That may be a distant second place, but nothing touches hockey. But at a time like this, when hockey still wasn't, even when COVID wasn't a thing, they weren't growing at the rate of the other major sports, especially now. They have to take advantage of every opportunity they can to market and grow this game. When all eyes are looking for something to distract themselves from the real world, they need to take advantage of every opportunity, which is why I think Brad's point has a lot of validity. So it's not about the fact that hockey is like a puritanical team game and there's no star one above the other. Yeah, 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 100%. We've all played hockey. We've all coached. We've all refed. We, we know. We understand. We're saying to bring in the cash to sustain this league. It has implications on the game that you see on the ice. It changes the way the NHL operates. They're 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 getting by off the on the skin of their teeth. I don't know how the phrase goes, the turn of phrase goes. We had like a bottle of wine for dinner, so I'm just a little. I my recall is even worse than it usually is. But still, like it, it's not a joke. Like I don't like talking about marketing. I don't like talking about the best way to capitalize on like emerging markets in the in the US or you know abroad. Like I personally, I don't care at all about that. But as someone who covers the sport, yeah, absolutely, that matters. And it matters to fans whether they like it or not. Um, and to tie my point in, when when I said, oh, yeah, these two, you know, megastar teams who already have uh, four superstars, four of the best players in the world, and now they're going to get Lafreniere or maybe could get Lafreniere. Everyone's like, hockey's a team sport. Someone said – someone said something like this guy just found out that hockey is a team sport which i actually laughed a lot at like it made my morning um not like sarcastically like i thought that was just hysterical thing to say like if i was actually that asshole that would have been a really funny thing to say but the reality is the the nhl is destroying long-term parity sure it's a bit dramatic to say this one draft will do it if they make a habit out of this that'll be a bigger thing but even with this one draft Alexi Lafreniere could have gone a long way for a lot of markets that could have used the support. And even now, he still could. Like, I, I think Alexi Lafreniere could do things for the Minnesota Wild that no player has ever done for that franchise. But if he goes to a team that already has McDavid, Dreisaitl, Malkin or Pittsburgh, or Malkin or Crosby, that's not doing anything in terms of long-term parity in terms of competition. Because all of a sudden, those teams are propped up by an inordinate inordinate amount of success and luck but also like you're sequestering and you're putting all of these these superstar players in one place there's every edmonton resident is going to watch an edmonton oilers game right now no matter what if but i'll tell you i'll tell you what there's a lot of detroit sports fans who are more want to watch the lions the tigers or the pistons right now than the red wings and that's saying something considering the state of those three franchises and further to your point, and and kind of uh, dovetailing my point, if Lafreniere goes to Pittsburgh, who's the most marketable player in Pittsburgh? Sidney Crosby. If Lafreniere goes to Edmonton, who's the most marketable player in Edmonton? Ethan Bear. Connor McDavid. If Lafreniere goes to Minnesota, who's the most marketable player in Minnesota? Alexi Lafreniere for the next century. 
There you go. So they are not even helping their own bottom line because of this system. And the frustrating part is they screwed this up themselves because they were looking for a quick fix on some on a problem they caused. If we already had the early June draft when everybody was home begging for any content, this wouldn't be an issue. Teams that deserved the top players would have had the top players. We'd be sitting here talking about Lafreniere Byfield or Lucas Raymond for the Red Wings and breaking down how he's going to fit in, et cetera, et cetera. And said, we're not, we're angry. And the end. So the NHL is like, oh crap, we missed this really obvious opportunity. Crap. We got to come up with some bullshit reason to get some quick views on a Monday night with a second draft lottery. It's, it's, I can't like, I, we hated this system the moment it was announced. And I, I remember making this next point that, first episode after this stupid system was announced it's this is why this can't happen if lafreniere goes to detroit ottawa la arizona minnesota like uh, an objectively not great team even though arizona's in the playoffs lafreniere moves the needle for that team that team is instantly better not leaps and bounds the detroit red wings in 2020, 2021 with Alexi Lafreniere are probably still battling for 31st. The Edmonton Oilers or the Pittsburgh Penguins, or maybe even, and we find out in an hour, the Toronto Maple Leafs, if they get Alexi Lafreniere, the balance of power is shifted in the NHL. You took a great team and gave them another superstar. You don't. So to all the people in my goddamn mention saying, yeah, do you want super teams in the NHL? No, I don't. But this is how you get them. Lafreniere going to Edmonton creates a super team. Lafreniere going and playing with Malkin and Crosby and Latang creates a super team. This is how the NHL shits all over themselves and then shits all over themselves again. I really don't think the NHL even really cares. There's, I don't see any evidence that they care about the, no. the changing the system. No, they don't. We, we can scream and, all, and whine all we want, but they're just going to continue to get insane amount of marketing and, and advertising revenue from, from Pittsburgh and Chicago. But, but the thing is, they're going to get that no matter what. Like, it's just, like Brad said, well, the no, they won't. players are no, already no, there. No, they won't. No, Malkin and Crosby and Pittsburgh and that team's moving. That fan Anyways, Waterloo but, again. Jim Basile is putting in another offer. Yeah. <laughs> He's holding that, the owner in his basement. That franchise has deserved nothing of what they've got. Let's talk about that series then to move on. So Pittsburgh uh, fell to Montreal 3-1 uh, in probably the most shocking result so far. Um, <sighs> Carey, Carey Price, Price deserves a ton of credit. You see him throw the puck at Crosby. Oh, yeah. That's funny as hell. Carey Price has a a lot of sass to him, and I appreciate yeah, that. People have this like um, very uh, like good boy view of a lot of goaltenders. Like if you're not outspoken like Hashik or something, like they think you're just the world's like kindest, most loving goaltender. But they forget that Carey Price is the ultimate competitor, and you know for a fact that he took the fact that they were underrated and written off coming into the series personally. It was very Michael Jordan in that documentary. Like he took everything personally and he made Pittsburgh pay. Yep. I he, have no other analysis for this series. Uh, my analysis is Carey Price. Price, comma, Carey. Pittsburgh or Montreal scored the sufficient amount that they needed to. And Literally you add that to Carey Price's. Enough. 
just enough. Um, the only game that they didn't win by one goal was the last one. Was there an empty netter in there? Yes, it was a 2 nothing win where Shea Weber rimmed one around the glass in his own end, hit a stanchion, yeah, yeah. and went in. <laughs> 2020, so, ladies and gentlemen. It, that's the kind of random variance that we talked about. A five-game series with this much unpredictability in the world's most unpredictable profession, like major professional sport. Of course, this is the kind of result you're going to get. No discredit to Montreal. They did it. They had the one thing you need that can move the needle more than anything else, a superstar goaltender getting hot. Congratulations, Pittsburgh. Like, tough luck. That's the system that the NHL implemented, and you paid the price for it. This is the poster child for why uh, play-in series, like, if they want to make this a yearly thing, theme, is garbage. It can never happen. It never should happen because this year, the regular season didn't matter. Pittsburgh finished, what, 30 points ahead of Montreal? All it took was a hot goalie to knock them out. The regular season... Based on how the draft lottery pay- played out and how the fir- first round of this qual or this qualifying round played out, the regular season was borderline meaningless. It, it yeah. really was. And if you want to play in series every every year, I will hear an argument for like, okay, well, usually the ninth seed's pretty close. So like, if you want to do like a best of three between eight and nine, just to get some extra hockey in before the actual playoffs start, okay, I'll I'll hear that argument. I won't. I wouldn't do it. But I can, I can see that. But people are talking, oh, let's do this every year. Let's do a 20 team every year. God, no. No. You want to make hockey exciting? Let's make the first 82 games mean something. And that means all 82 of those games mean something. Like, yeah. I, I can't. I would. Like, I'm angry about the draft lottery as a Red Wings fan. But I couldn't fathom being a Penguins fan right now. Like, we, you're telling me we were on the verge of breaking 100 points comfortably, locking up the fifth seed. We ran into a hot goalie and our season's over, and we technically didn't even make the playoffs. Good God, no. Hockey is the most random of random sports. You need 82 games to let the chips fall, to let things balance out, to let the randomness regress as close to the mean as it's going to get every year there's one team who seems to pdo their way into the playoffs but then they always go back think of the new jersey devils two years ago you'll always get those one and they're great stories when they happen but hockey averages out if you take that out and you throw in the randomness of a three or five game series you lose that credibility you might as well just roll the dice Skip most of the regular season because it doesn't matter. And then, okay, well, yeah, we got the 15th seed playing third seed for the Stanley Cup. Let's go. Yeah, well, we were going to save the topic of uh, should the qualifying round stay, but Brad just covered the whole thing. So I'm sorry. We were talking about like, <laughs> I, I get I'm angry no. about it. No, let's do that now. So so Brad said his piece, and, and the, the notion is that a lot of people are saying the qualifying round has been exciting, it's generated, blah, blah, blah. Actually, before you keep going, let me, before everybody makes the point, argues the point I'm not making again, this is exciting as hell. I have been watching the crap out of it, and that is worth something. But if you render the other 82 games to be virtually meaningless, you take the excitement out of those. And I'd rather have those 82 games matter and mean something and be more exciting than having an extra three games right before even more exciting games. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I don't... 
like obviously I'm a hockey purist. Like I'm a pretty traditional, like I'm a big traditionalist with hockey. One of my only rules in life is don't touch the NHL playoffs, which I'm already angry at them for doing a little while back by making these stupid brackets. Um, and I wish they would come back with reseeding or, you know, one to eight entry instead of anyways. Um, yeah, uh, there's, there's something to be said for a team who can make it comfortably to 60 games into the season and they're one of the top seat, uh, top seeds in the conference. And then they have a bunch of injuries. So bam, just rest all those guys. They get those like 20 games of rest. They probably drop down to a wild card spot or maybe like the 10th seed or something. But if the all the way down to the 12th seed is good, then they don't care. They'll play in that ninth, 10th seed spot. They have a healthy, you know, aging veteran with a ton of ability, but just need some days off. Or Carey Price, who is not cut out to play 60-plus games, but if he has a lot of rest, is you know sharp as attack, bam. Then they win that series, and it's no problem for them. And so you lose the the meaning and the impact and the significance of a lot of these games. So, no, I, I completely agree with what Brad says, which is something that's painful for me to do. So I wish the NHL would stop making situations like this. Um, Evan and I need more excuses to rip on Brad, so they're not really yes, helping please. our cause. Yeah. I, I There's... Uh, there's something to be said, like Brad, like Brad mentioned. There's something to be said for creating a su- excitement, and I think, like we said before, any of this was decided, as they were still trying to figure out how to do the draft lottery, how to do the the return to play, how to conduct these bubbles. We said, this is your one year to go balls to the wall and do whatever the hell you want, because these are uncertain times, these are unprecedented times, these are trying times. Do it. Do whatever you need to do to make this work. But once we receive or once we're, we have the luxury of any semblance of normalcy, you cannot sacrifice the integrity of the sport and make it a circus. There's things that you can do that are going to be painful for the purists like me that create some kind of excitement or buzz. But you have there has to be a line and there has to be a balance. And I agree with you, Brad. I think a 2014 qualifying round every single year renders it meaningless you're telling me eight teams miss the playoff playoffs all year shit i'll make a team i'll enter them i don't care there's probably a good chance that they'll evan will be my starting center in fact it's amazing to me that any red wings were jumping on this point because we're not far removed from the red wings being in perennial battles for eighth place just just get in the playoffs and I don't know about everybody else, but I remember the last month of each of those seasons living and dying with every game as you jump into eighth place. Oh, you fall down to ninth and you jump in, you're out, you're in, you're out. You lose at least a little bit of that because if you're in the eighth seed and you're like, oh, well, we fell the 10th, but we're still getting a shot. Who cares? It it rendered the entire end of the season basically meaningless and yeah you get those extra three to five games of excitement i'm not going to argue those games aren't going to be exciting they'd be nuts like i remember the blue jays orioles wild card when encarnacion hit that home run that's one of my favorite jays memories of all time but one of my we got to start taxing you for talking about toronto sports on here but still it's like it's the whole the last month of the season mattered a lot because there wasn't the safety net. You needed that number eight seed. You didn't have another choice. I was at a game in Toronto in March where Detroit and Toronto were the two teams battling for the eighth seed. It was nuts. 
that game wouldn't have mattered if there if there was a buffer of two teams behind them. Brad right, had to sell cover- his house for the tickets, but it was well worth it. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that cost me uh, basically the equivalent of Red Wing season tickets at this point. Brad's had three children that pe- uh, people <laughs> only know about two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to cover, we're going to do a quick um, quotes or or analysis on the other series so we don't forget about them. We already talked about Carolina and the Rangers because that ended before last episode. Uh, Nashville, Arizona, I think that's much like Carey Price. That's a lot of credit to Darcy Kemper over there. And not a lot of credit to UC Saros because he did not have a good series. And, and, you know, it's one thing for Nashville to stick to their guns because Pekka Rene hasn't been good for a bit now. But, man, you had to – at least Edmonton got booted Mike Smith out of the net because they knew how urgent it was. Um, but Nashville has other problems. They they were struggling to score goals. Part of that is Darcy Kemper. Part of that is lack of depth on their offense. Lack of, like, top-end truly offensive talent as well. Um, I think Matt Duchesne almost got healthy scratched for a game, and he's got, what, six years left on that contract? Nashville's in a bad way, to- man. If there's a team that needs Lafreniere more than anybody else in this stupid lottery, it might be Nashville, honestly. If if Nashville doesn't win tomorrow, they're blowing it up. Guaranteed. I, but th- I know we've talked about this before. How can they? They are locked in on so many big contracts. Johansson, Arvidsson, Duchesne, Yossi, and I know there's others I'm forgetting about. They are, if they want to blow it up, they're going to have a hell of a time doing it. Well, we'll take one in Detroit if they're throwing us some juicy pieces. I just don't know who it'd be. Yeah, Kyle Turris, maybe? Yeah, but he's got, what, four, three, four years left? A lot of years left. 23, uh, 24 at six. Oh, God. No. Uh, no. They would have to throw us uh, Lafreniere <laughs> to take that one on. Victor Arvidsson would be a, a solid contract. He's 27 and that goes to 23, 24, but it's only $4.2 million. Yes, we would He's have a very under. They would also like that contract though. We, yeah, we would have to give up a big asset to get that. So, yeah. which means they're probably not interested in moving him and he's not that yeah. old either. Yeah, they've got Ryan Ellis and Roman Yossi until the foreseeable future. And those are yeah. good players. That's not their problem. It's when you start yeah. looking at Turris, Johansson, and Duchesne and you're like, uh oh. Uh, Vancouver, Minnesota. Um, I think, you know, credit to Minnesota. They showed up at points. Um, I don't think they were a team to write off. And I think they gave, uh, they made Vancouver work for it. But Markstrom played some excellent hockey, except for when he just let in some doofus goals. Um, and Vancouver just had the firepower, um, and the star power to get over it. I don't know how confident I am in Vancouver moving forward, though. Yeah. Who are they matching up against? St. Louis? That's going to be tough, man. But you look at St. Louis's shot differential in their three round robin games. They got caved. I mean, I'm not going to bet against St. Louis in that series, but man, Vancouver's got to look at their round robin and go, shit, boys, we got a chance. Markstrom They're by no hot. means written off. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, if Markstrom plays like he did during the regular season, Pedersen, Hughes, Besser keep up what they're doing. And that doesn't even include the contributions they got from JT Miller and Tanner Pearson. Man, Vancouver could be sneaky good. They're probably getting the most favorable matchup in the Western Conference of all the now non round robin teams right now, which is weird to say about the Stanley Cup champs. But hey, those three games got to say something. Uh, 
It is now two nothing uh, Columbus oh, with eight minutes left. Uh, am I happy or upset about this? I know Leaf fans are going to melt down because of this, and that's going to make me happy. But then the next twenty four hours is me stressing that they're going to get Lafreniere. Oh, I think the next switching back to what we we're actually talking about. <laughs> um, I think Pedersen's definitely going to have a very difficult series um, against St. Louis, especially oh. with the size of that team. They're going to uh, circle him. Um, I can't even freaking talk. I'm trying. I, do I have cross eyes right now? Because I'm looking at our screen and the the Leaf game at the same time, trying to watch the highlight. And I can't think. I need to not look at that screen. Ba- it's basically, funny because Leafs what, fans get cross-eyed when they just watch the Leafs only. Yeah. But uh, what Evan's trying to say, I think, is that uh, Elias Pettersson's going to be wearing Colton Pareko as a backpack for most of this series. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how his game changes when he's put under that kind of physical pressure the entire time and for an extended period of time. Um, but if he emerges... He he, it'll it'll be good for Vancouver. I mean, this is what's different in Vancouver now because if Pedersen is locked up in St. Louis, place him extremely tightly. They still have Besser, Pearson, Miller. Like they've got pieces behind him that could still maybe get the job done, which is not something. Oh, Horvat, you know, we forgot about their captain. Um, this is the difference in in Canucks of years past. You can say what you want about the trades that got them these. Uh, some of these players like the JT Miller trade, but man, they've got them now and they're, they're playing well. So I don't know. I, I think Vancouver could be pretty sneaky. Cause I mean, they had to go to overtime uh, with Minnesota and they did lose a game, but for the most part, they looked in control of that series. Uh, Islanders, Florida. I think Islanders were just the best coach team, maybe in this entire return to play so far in terms of, how well they performed, um, they they just dominated the whole time in my mind. Florida definitely had points where they came through and, you know, their talent displayed itself. But, you know, what Barry Trotz gets out of that team continues to impress me. Yeah, they um, lulled the Panthers to sleep and it worked so well that Bobrovsky also fell asleep. Is that, uh, are we going to look at that one soon as one of the worst contracts in the NHL? I don't know. Time six, will tell. Six years. It's at, not starting well. Six years at $10 million, and he got outperformed by each of his backups this year and did not have a good playoff. They signed that contract to convince Joel Quenville to come over. And was it worth it? No, because Quenville just got outcoached by Trotz. Everybody's getting outcoached by Trotz right now. Though. Yeah. Uh, you can make a case for Tortorella right now, because I, I view if, if Columbus takes out Toronto, I view that as a bigger coaching testament than taking out the panthers i like i'm i cannot say enough good things about what john tortorella has done look and and, okay flames jet we'll do flames jets first flames jets calgary wins 3-1 i'm impressed with calgary's ability to kind of get over their regular season woes and all the drama surrounding that team all year and especially with the return to play with like goudreau and some guys playing in one squad and blah 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 is this guy getting traded impressed uh winnipeg had some key injuries and no defense, but they've had no defense all year, and they generally Connor Hellebucked or outscored their problems. But when you lose your two best scorers, yeah, that's uh, that's about. If you had told me that in the first game the Jets were going to lose Line A and Shifley, but still win a game, I'd be impressed. 
Yes, they were thin as is, and then to lose both of them, it's the writing's almost on the wall at that point. Leafs, Blue Jackets. The Leafs on Friday had an insane comeback where if they win this series, which they would have to have another er, insane comeback to do, would have almost been like getting the monkey off their back. They were down by three goals and within four minutes had scored three to tie it before Austin Matthews or if you believe Jim Houston, Kasperi Kapanen scored in overtime to win it. That was absolutely insane. That was like the floodgates open because I honestly believe the Leafs to be the better overall overall team right now. And at times, the amount of pressure they're putting on, it's like nothing is going in. I cannot believe that Corpusalo or uh, Merz Lickens are, are keeping it out. But credit to them and credit to Columbus's disruptive play style. Um, Friday was, was absolutely nuts. You're only referencing Friday. Let's not forget the game on Thursday. Columbus came back from a 3-0 deficit. This series is truly silly season. And... Those two games probably summarize what we expected this entire qualifying round to be like. Just crazy, unpredictable hockey. And man, you know what? I'll say it. I am so glad I'm not a Leafs fan. Oh, (laughs) a hot take. What is this team? Like it's, it's one side of the coin. Then the next, like I love, all the firepower they have, and like obviously their games are exciting, but holy shit! If we were Leaf fans, we'd look like we're seventy five years old. If they do <laughs> win the draft lottery tomorrow, at least we can take solace in the fact that even Leaf fans at this point won't have any confidence at them being good, even with Lafreniere. Because <laughs> automatically trade Lafreniere for any defenseman, just anyone. Lafreniere for most sider, straight up. Yeah, Lafreniere. Okay, Lafreniere and Nylander for Jack Eichel and Rasmus Dahlin. Who says no? Lafreniere and who? Nylander for Eichel and Dahlin. Who yeah. says no? Buffalo. Yeah. If I don't think Lafreniere is going to be better than Eichel, and if so, then you're basically trading Nylander for Dahlin. No, thank you. What if you upgrade it to Marner? Still, probably a no because Marner and Eichel are at, at least comparable. You could make an argument Marner's better. I wouldn't, but you could. So again, it's down to Nylander for Dalene. I'm just trying to think of bullshit trades. Re- like, obviously, Toronto wins are drafting Lafreniere, but like they don't need another superstar forward. They just don't. They they, they, they don't. almost have nowhere to put him. No, they won't. And he'd have less of an impact because he quite literally will be handling the puck 50% less of the time than he would on any other team. No, but this will be one of those situations where Toronto... Toronto getting Lafreniere's biggest benefit wouldn't be getting Lafreniere. It would be getting the asset. Then they will have an asset to get a defenseman because holy crap, their defense is bad. They're playing Cody Cece in their top four. By far the worst shot I've seen in my life. Oh my God. What is Jim Houston's goal call? He's like, Cece shoots and he missed by a mile. (laughs) No deflection, didn't flub it. Just he was aiming for the far corner and it wasn't of the net. Um, I still don't understand why Dubas offered that guy a contract. Why give him a contract? I don't know. I really don't. This is one of those cases of, oh, he was a first round pick. So he's got a reputation. He must, eh, we, we can save him. No, you can't. Nobody can. But, There's always like a Ron Hainsey CC type on that team. I don't. 
But and Anyways. the the one the one key storyline that we're missing here, if Columbus um does hold on to win this, do you know who they play if they win this? Do you know who they play? Is it Boston? Think of the best storyline you could think of. Boston? Nope. Boston. Nope. Detroit. Nope. Oh, uh wait, I don't know. Uh, Tampa Boston. Bay. Oh, why am I stupid? The why rematch. am I stupid? <laughs> oh, I was oh. thinking from the Leafs perspective. Nope. Oh, well, Toronto would get wiped by Tampa with how they've been playing. Columbus, though, who knows? Oh, my God. So I was talking about, and, and we'll, we don't know the result of that. There's two minutes, 30 seconds left. Columbus is up by two, so we might have a very quick update for you soon. Well, although, by the time you're listening, you'll know. Um, let's talk about the eight teams that have lost. So we have... Um, the Oilers, the Penguins, the Predators, the Rangers, the Wild, the Panthers, the um, the Jets, and one of Toronto or Columbus, likely Toronto. So we'll talk about which teams we want to win, like the chaos picks and all that. I was explaining to someone, a, a non-hockey fan, why, you know, what my tiers were, like the whole bullshit system and what who I would prefer as a Red Wings fan to win. And I was talking about Toronto because then, and then they were like, oh, because Toronto wouldn't have like had any chance at Lafreniere before. I was like, mm, well, no, Toronto was barely in the playoffs before. Like there was a very real chance Toronto was going to be a lottery team. So I can't really hold that against them too much. Like they very well could have been the, you know, team number 13 that wins the lottery. It would have been bullshit, but within the confines of what we were already expecting, it, w- it would have been the bullshit that we were expecting. Toronto fits the, Oh God, no, anything but them tier for me in terms of winning, even more so than Pittsburgh or Edmonton in my mind, because Toronto just does not need that other superstar. Edmonton would cause chaos and would cause such widespread outrage because of how many first overall picks that they've had that it might cause the NHL to just destroy the lottery system as we know it overall and rebuild it into something halfway sensible. And it's in the West, so it affects Detroit less. less. Pittsburgh, I'm still not a fan of. Crosby and Malkin are aging, whatever, and it's not in Detroit's division. Toronto is one of Detroit's biggest rivals. It's in the Atlantic, and they are already in their cup window. They do not need more help. They do not need more luck. This does not need to go to them. And it's not even just about Detroit. Think of the other teams that are in it. Minnesota absolutely could use that help. Florida. Hold on, hold on. Did you just say a team that's uh, two minutes and 36 seconds away from missing the playoffs is in their cup window? Yeah, because Sorry, that's the I, NHL. Had to, I had to. I had to say it. It was satisfying. I regret nothing. <laughs> that's also that's also the Leafs. You could say that about that's just their motto. That is. We're in our well, cup window, but cursed. we didn't make the playoffs. If Toronto did a one for one roster trade with any other team in the league, whatever other city they're playing in, they'd be twice as good. That city is cursed. A hundred percent. Yep. They, I don't they, feel bad for them. No, not even for a second. I feel bad for like our friends like Steve, but it's also funny to laugh. Um, and we're petty. Do you see the uh, Royal Canadian Air Force uh, conspiracy theory about why Toronto sports sucks? No. So 1993, the Toronto Blue Jays win the World Series uh, in whatever, October. Later that October, the Royal Canadian Air Force premieres on TV. 2000, uh, what was it? May 2000, no, April 2019, Royal Canadian Air Force is done. Last season, show ends. A month later, the Raptors win the NBA championship. <laughs> yeah. Someone like, it, it literally adds up almost to the month of, of the gap between Toronto championships. 
That's Canadian programming for you. Okay, so I I recently I made my tiers before the play-in started. I had four tiers from best to worst in terms of who we want to win. They were rooting for you. All right, not the worst. No, you don't need him. And then the worst tier was cancel the NHL. So we have eight teams. In rooting for you, who do you have? Now, I'll remind you of the teams again. It's uh, the Jets, the Wild, the Predators, probably Toronto, uh, the Rangers, the Panthers, uh, the Penguins, the Oilers. Minnesota. Okay. I got it. Okay. Go, Brad. Rooting for you. Yeah. Minnesota. Great hockey market. NHL marketing purgatory. I would be happy for their fans. And I would be happy that none of the NHL Golden Boys got it. Edmonton, maximum chaos, blows up in the NHL's face. Maybe we finally get some draft lottery reform. Although if that happens, I got a sneaking suspicion it will somehow hurt Detroit more than it helps them. But whatever, I want the NHL to get egg on their face. And I actually like the Oilers and want Connor McDavid to get a cup. Uh, And then... All right, not the worst. So the second tier. All right, not the worst. I will go Winnipeg and Nashville here. Like both teams, most part. Uh, teams that are just kind of coming out of their window, but are still decently good and can use the boost. And they're they're likable markets. No, you don't need him. Florida and the Rangers. Florida is a division rival. Uh, they have two big superstars already at forward, but they, they're not a good team. They actually could use him, but they're an Atlantic team, so screw them. And the Rangers just got Kako last year, and they have Panarin and Zibanejad and Shisterkin. They don't need help. They're going to be very good very soon. And so that leaves cancel the NHL as Toronto and Pittsburgh. Exactly. So with and- that being said... I we have now just guaranteed Toronto and Pittsburgh. Uh, one of those teams is getting them. Evan, do you have any opposing opinions on that? I think it's basically for me. It's Minnesota rooting for you, and then after that, it's just either cancel the NHL or you don't need them because that's kind of how it's worked out. There is a thirty-seven and a half percent chance that. You know, uh, provided that Toronto doesn't score two goals in the next 56 seconds. there Oh, no, 22 seconds. Uh, there's a 37.5% chance that Alexi Lafreniere is going to go to a team that is currently at least remotely a contender with multiple world-class level superstars. It's 3 nothing, And that's it. So the Toronto Toronto loses. Toronto nope, loses. No, it's 3 nothing. They have a chance to come yeah, back. Yeah, now they have them where they want <laughs> It's okay. You have Matthews, Tavares, Marner. Just the, exclude all the other talent that they have. Then you have Crosby and Malkin and Latang. And then you have McDavid, uh, Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and they traded away Taylor Hall. None of these teams in this for the sake of parity, for the sake of competition, for the sake of the long term health of the NHL. Outside of the same teams winning everything, none of those teams deserve Alexi Lafreniere. Before you get up my ass about who deserves in a random lottery, yeah, I know, but still, 37.5% chance. 37.5% chance is double what the Detroit Red Wings had after a historically bad season. I don't know what else there is to say about that. But we said it all. 
Yep. Sorry, I was just sending out a tweet trolling Leaf fans because I want my mentions to hate me in the morning. Yeah, you really are a masterpiece. Uh, wow, okay. it's already got four likes and one retweet in seven seconds. <laughs> this is gonna be good. <laughs> yeah, let's so just let's look at this. Oh, sorry if everybody. I gotta open. The, oh God, I'm ruining our uh, YouTube video. I had to pull my calculator out. Oh, Evan. <laughs> By the way, the um, for the draft lottery tomorrow, the second draft lottery will happen tomorrow, Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we are going to try to do a little live stream of sorts. Um, that said, uh, it might be a little bit clunky. It won't be as fun as the other live stream because we already know that we're going to be pissed no matter what. So, 42. That is the number of more points Toronto had than Detroit. That's nuts. Has- 44 is the number of points, more points that Edmonton had than Detroit. And those are the two highest. So after that, I'm done. <sighs> Let me see what the lowest was. Who's the lowest eliminated team? Minnesota. No, wait. That's not true. Yes, it is. They had 77 points. So there you go. 77 we're, points. We're all Minnesota fans tomorrow. I hope so, man. I hope so. Okay, well, we'll, we'll cover that tomorrow. Uh, that is the Leafs loss. That is the qualifying round done. That's a re- quick review of it. I'm sure we'll come back to it way too often in the future. Um, very quick prospect profile. Uh, Brad, let us know who it is and take it away. Murat Kuznetdinov, one of the leaders on uh, his age group of the Russian junior teams for the last three years. Uh, correct me, um, pinch me if you've heard this before. Small, skilled forward, not the greatest skater. Here we are. Um, the one thing I like about Kuznodinov, though, versus a lot of the other players that fit that description in this year's draft is, I'm not going to say he plays a physical style, but he plays an aggressive style. There's a reason he's been the captain on a lot of these Russian teams. His compete level is ultra high. I wouldn't call his skill set elite, but it's good enough that he's getting talk to be a late first round pick and rightfully so. Unlike other players of his skill set as well, with a lot of them, like when we talk about Zion Nybeck or Ronnie Hirvinen, we say these guys have to play a top six role or they will not have a role in the NHL. I could see Kuznetinov not thriving in a checking role, but but playing on an energy line, bringing some skill to it, being a good complementary piece on a line like that. But his skill set is that that he does have a chance of cracking an NHL top six. A lot of risk with for all the other same reasons that we talk about with guys of this particular build and skill type in this draft. But I, I tend to like this guy more than a lot of the other ones in his range with similar skill sets just because of those extra little intangibles and characteristics to his game. Is it fair to call him like a poor man's Marco Rossi? Um, I, I find they, they play different styles, um, despite being both small and skilled, but in terms of they bring more to the game than just skill uh, for being small, yeah, you, I could see the line you would draw there. 
Yeah, you mentioned it. Like the guy has speed. He doesn't play a light game. Like he he plays in the tough areas. He gets his nose dirty. He'll play tough minutes. He'll kill penalties. But at the same time, he he utilizes his speed not just in a defensive way. He's he's a talented. He's got a good offensive mind. He can uh, make that play set like make a fantastic pass. You've seen that from him. To to have that kind of two way talent is impressive in my mind and. Like watching him is just like a uh, you start to laugh because anybody who pretends that the the frame shift hasn't already happened in the NHL draft where it's like small but skilled. Look at this! Like how many of these have we done? And he has to be like the tenth of the last twelve that we've talked about. Small skilled player. Like it's not, and he kind of breaks the mold of oh if he's small he has to be weak. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. So yeah, he's a super attractive pick, and I, I really like um, what he could bring. I don't think he's necessarily like you don't draft him thinking he's one day going to be your number one center, but that's a hell of a player to have on your team. If he's a guy who reaches somewhat of his ceiling, I'm the more I watch about him, the more uh, I'm impressed. Um, I do like his, I think his compete level would make him fit the Steve Eisman. I only want guys who give a hundred percent, 10% on their days off mold. Um, so I think he's a likely Red Wings target at pick 32, um, or even beyond. Um, yeah, but you know what? He's another guy who's getting a lot of attention, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, jump into the early 20s as well. Really? I don't yeah, think he's going to go think, that high at all. But No, I'm, I'm, I would guess he's going to go mid-second round. I think if he falls enough, there's a chance Detroit could get him with uh, one of their later second-round picks. Um, 32 feels a bit rich to me despite how much i like him and despite the fact he's getting some late first round consideration he is skilled but he's not that elite high-end skill that you you're just frothing at the mouth for at the beginning of the second round because you're just like how could he slip this far like let's say nils hoaglander last year that's not kuznetinov he's not at that talent level could he get there? Yeah, he's a late birthday. Like, um, I think he has my birthday. Uh, he's a he's a mid July birthday, so there's maybe some more physical development to go there on elite prospects. He's only listed at 165 pounds, so he is the type of player where if he does come up another inch or two and puts on another 20 pounds, I I think that could be a game changer for him with the the style he plays, but. You can't bet on that, especially with an 18-year-old, even though he has a later birthday. No, no. You, What I look for, like when you see a guy like Marco Rossi or whatever, even small guys, you can never bank on them just growing a bunch. Like, yeah, there's a requisite amount of – like you're not going to make the NHL sitting at 160. You probably have to get to at least 175, 185 if you want to not die every time you get hit. Um, but beyond that, it's – I think it's more rare than not that that – guys have that like insane level of growth but it happens and that's what especially a russian because they got some good stuff over there oh that's that's all the uh what's the documentary the the cycling doping documentary uh icarus Icarus, oh god that thing was wild it started out as like a cycling documentary and it just turned into the the russian olympic doping scandal i was so confused when i started watching that because i I didn't know any pretense to it other than it was good that's what people told me and i was like that's just about Russian doping. Why am I watching a cycling documentary? If you and want then a documentary, quickly it switched. Yeah, if you want to watch something that just goes off the rails, and the best ways watch Icarus. 
Anyhow, um, he should be picked for no other reason than hearing Mick trying to pronounce Murat Kuznetinov. Kuznetinov. Yeah, when you say it really fast, you don't really hear it like Kuznetinov. Because you can get through the middle pretty quick without putting too much emphasis on extra syllables. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and a, the last point here before we jump into um, overtime, uh, believe it or not, the rumors of Sveshnikov leaving to Russia were greatly overstated because he just signed a one-year extension with the Red Wings. No way. You mean that third-tier Russian newspaper or whatever the hell it was that was reporting that he was signing in Russia and a million people tweeted at us wasn't true? Color me shocked, Ryan shocked i tell you there's still a chance that these are like leveraged pieces but regardless um yeah and and i think that's what you could expect for the red wings with sveshnikov like you don't want to see a long-term commitment to a guy who hasn't shown any kind of long-term stability and if you're shouting at your you know car stereo or your headphones whatever saying ryan he's been injured yeah 100 percent. the guy has had some bad luck and he's not shown to be like i don't think he's shown to be useless i think he's shown to have talent not like his brother of course but um regardless with timing and with making room on the roster he's not the only one knocking so sveshnikov wants a spot on this team this next year has to work for him the, make- the time is is ticking now for him in his development. It's now or never, I think. The best time for him to cement his spot on the Red Wings roster was last year, the year before, and the second best time is now. Yep. Absolutely. He's, and some people are still hot to trot on him, and, and I respect that. Like, I don't think I'm absolutely right in my opinion. I'm not so confident that he's going to turn into a guy that can be like an absolutely great third liner who can slot up into the second line i I just don't see that in him Uh, but i do think he has it in him to grind work his ass off get his nose dirty and if he turns into you know a 15 15 30 point third line player that's fantastic i think that'd be a great outcome for him i'm not even confident that that happens but i I would love to see sveshnikov be a bonafide like yeah that guy's nowhere other than the third line he still has that intriguing underlying skill set that we've been just waiting to see forever. So I'm hoping we can see some glimpse of that this year and he can figure his game out because God could we use some depth. It would be good. Yeah. Like the depth on this team should be guys like uh, Timoshov and Sveshnikov playing great on the third line, not like you know, Justin Abdelkader is randomly having a great 10 games, and that's what we needed from him all along. Lieutenant Dan's working his ass off in the corners. <laughs> Does Lieutenant Dan play lefty? Because he might actually have a spot of the second pairing right the, now. The Leafs are actually writing up the contract right now. Yeah, he's making $5 million a year, Leafs fans, whether you guys like it or not. Yeah, maybe we should take it easy on him. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> all the Leafs fans I talk to, like, I don't think any of them were expecting anything different. Like, let's not forget, Toronto was the eighth seed. Columbus was the ninth seed. Like, this wasn't some crazy mismatch. Like, Columbus was on the cusp. They they were tied in points. Per- yeah. This is the same team that beat uh, Tampa Bay last year. If you could pick one non-playoff like playoff team to play, to not play, it would have been Columbus for a lot of teams because they saw how disruptive they can be. Anyways, yeah, maybe we should. Or not take it easy on these fans. Who knows? Leaf fans also are very aware of the team they have and the relationship that they've built between team oh, and yeah. fan, and I love it. 
they are you are going to see so many write-ups on trades that need to happen this offseason and it is not going to it's going to exclude only Martner or only Matthews everyone else will be on the table I promise you oh yeah you're gonna see more than the Leaf fans (laughs) (laughs) it's it might you might not see a lot of Tavares out there but you're gonna see Martner you're gonna see Nylander you're gonna see you know Riley you're gonna see uh uh goalie what's his name Anderson Oh yeah, that uh, second goal uh, w- was bad. Not good. He's gonna don't know where he was for one. the third one either. They want Jonathan Bernier. Remember when they laughed at the prospect of trading for Jonathan Bernier? Ha ha, nerds. Jonathan Bernier could have stolen a series for a team not named the Detroit Red Wings, with the way he played hockey this year. Oh yeah, yeah. If 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 playoffs went for him like the rest of his season, oh yeah, he he would have absolutely had a chance of doing that. So we now know who this who's in the second lottery. Three horrendous outcomes in terms of these are already some of the best uh, talented forward groups in the league. Um, and we have less than 24 hours to, to wallow about it. So that's not too bad. Uh, before we drag too far past your bedtimes, guys, let's jump into overtime. We're going to start with uh, Patreon. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I just caught a glimpse of what Rowan changed his name to this week. We're going to start with Patreon, where uh, our Patreon supporters are the reason we are able to keep this show going during this uh, forever offseason. So thank you, local Winged Wheel podcast patron. Uh, we'll start with Hatrick Swayze. He says, hey, fellas, hope all is all. I was hoping to get your guys' opinion on something. With all this time to think about what could happen in the draft, I was wondering, do you think the days of 6th slash 7th round picks turning into all-stars is over, or has scouting come to a point where the Datsuks slash Zetterberg types uh, late round finds would be impossible? I worded that oddly, stay fresh cheese bags. Hattie. Yeah, it's it's not going to never happen, but it's going to be far fewer and further between now. Like, People forget, it's not that the Red Wings saw something in Datsuk that other teams didn't. They were the only team to see Datsuk. Like the, the story was people, the game, they saw him for apparently one game. Buffalo, I believe, was also supposed to be going to that game to watch another player. Buffalo's flight got canceled, so Detroit ended up being the only one there, and that's why they ended up taking a flyer on Datsuk. You look at the trend over the I year. I thought it was St. Louis. It might have been. Yeah. You look at the trend over the year of where the talent comes from every year, it gets condensed towards the top the more recent you get because scouting, analytics, uh, accessibility of players and viewings and video, it the speed of information and the accessibility yeah. of information is greater than it's ever been. Exactly. There's there's no secrets anymore. Now, opinion still matters and people will still get it wrong a lot of the time. But it it's going to be um, far more aligned. So this is why when we say stuff like, yeah, picking fourth versus first, uh, because there's not there's very rare occasions anymore where the top the first overall pick in the draft isn't the best player. It's nine out of 10 years. It's probably going to happen. And for us, Edmonton's 45th pick now is probably better than if they had won the cup and we were picking 62. That's a big gap, even though it's not really. So yeah, it's, it's nice to accumulate fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, but in the grand scheme, it doesn't matter a ton. You're still just throwing like, what is it? It's, it's, once you get past the third round, it's less than a 10% chance that a pick turns into a player who plays 200 games. 
And let's forget, let's not forget a player who only plays 200 NHL games isn't a good NHL player. So to get a superstar to that, the odds now are probably less than 1%. CNOD says, uh, this is really fun, but really stupid. I'm trying to come up with an out of the box question, but coming up short. A more rhetorical one if we got Edmonton's first round for uh, Athens CU, at least them losing raises our second rounder. Thanks for the podcast. Death to the pens. There's no Ovechkin- way. There's no way they wouldn't have lottery protected it. Ovechkin Stan Club says, so the Caps haven't gotten off to the best start, but honestly, there's so much to be optimistic about. I'm just glad I have grown up watching such greatness. We won a cup. We're not going to be freaking suck this year is such a memorable quote. I've grown up in Michigan, still here, had a Chicago Blackhawks uh, fan of my dad, an aunt who roots for Toronto, an uncle who roots for Detroit, so I'm in a weird predicament. My only question is, is Kubelik the best trade made in a few years? Him for a fifth is amazing value. I know there's better out there, but the Calder nominees don't come around much. Thanks a lot, everyone. Also, Caps won. They are now 1-1-1 one, one, and one in round robin play. I'm proud and ready for the Islanders. Yeah, they traded uh, that fifth to the Kings, right, for the rights to Kublik? Yeah, but he wasn't going to come over, so there was a bit of extenuating circumstance there. He he would come over to play for the Hawks because he spent last season in Switzerland, I believe. So, yeah, it happens sometimes, but hey, it's like, it's why, to, to relate everything back to the Red Wings, it's why you have to take swings on guys like Matthias Brome. Nine out of ten of them won't pan out. But if you get the one that becomes a regular on your team, it's worth it. I'd certainly uh, say the Mark Stone trade is definitely not a great trade uh, for Ottawa, although it was necessary. <laughs> and with the jury's still out on Riley. Brandstrom, and what else? They get a second round pick and someone? The Ryan O'Reilly trade was also really rough. Yes, but he also said he lost the love for hockey. So yeah, <laughs> it happens when you play for the Sabres. Yes. Um, oh, Scott Evley says, quick-ish question unrelated to the playoffs or to the draft. How long does everyone think Blashill remains as a coach? And follow up to that, if each of you was in charge of hiring the next coach, who would you pick? I think one more season and everybody I'd pick that's available right now will probably be snapped up by then. So um, Gronberg just got a contract extension so he won't be available i imagine gerard gallant won't be available at that point so you're probably looking at lane lambert i i probably give him two more years um i think eisman wants to time it a little bit closer to the turnaround of the rebuild who do i hire after that i don't think gallant will be there i want the best coach available on the board and if there's not someone at like the trots gallant, like this guy shouldn't be unemployed level, I want them to go off the board. So a Gronberg, a Lane Lambert, someone who hasn't coached yet. I think uh, I agree with you, Ryan, but maybe shorten that timeline on Blashill a little bit because I would like to have the new coach get his hands dirty um, with the developing roster a little bit sooner. Uh, okay. Second follow-up. If you had to put money down on who the next coach would actually be, who who is it? Mike Babcock. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, who's uh, it? Pick any old washed-up coach who has a great reputation but isn't actually a good coach. Just who's the free agent version of Dave Dave Tippett? Randy right Carlisle. Oh God, maybe actually. Uh, I think it, I think Lane Lambert is who you're looking for there. 
Um, okay, let's move on. Or he continues to say, thanks for the podcast, guys. You all managed to keep the podcast excellent through the dry months of sport-free COVID, and that isn't easy. I've stopped listening to a lot of podcasts until their sports come back because they got too repetitive and unoriginal, but I've looked forward to your podcast every time. You all have a talent for keep it, keeping it interesting and fun. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Scott. That means a ton to us. Um, legitimately. Uh, Liz B says, wait, the Penguins were eliminated by a team that lost to the 2019-2020 Red Wings four times. The only team that didn't win a game against Detroit. Why is this not bringing me great joy? Why am I not laughing at this? Oh, that's right, because the NHL is stupid and now a team that never should have had this chance might get a pick they don't need or deserve. The only way I am legit angry will be if Pittsburgh, Edmonton, or Toronto, if they lose, get the pick. Anyone else, I'll just be annoyed. Fawcett (laughs) says... Good day, dud duds. On the eve of the lottery two, Lafreniere Boogaloo. I can't wait for another full day of Twitter outrage in the lead up. And then the inevitable incessant whining when the garbage outcome we all have known was coming for ages eventuates. I gave up caring a long time ago and I implore you to also not care and not be angry about it because honestly, this was always going to happen. Now on the subject of the lottery and given many, okay, some of the eliminated teams have been let down by goaltending and defense, it's time to make the argument that they should simply go off the board at first overall and take an Askarov, a Drysdale, or a Sanderson. My argument is that it would be fun and subject that team to scrutiny, but it also helped the wings. You can't take that argument and make a different one. You can each pick one of the following teams, the fossil fuel team, uh, the lost a franchise to Texas, even though we are the state of hockey team. The 1967s, just going to assume the Canon team waxed them. <laughs> he was right. Also, golf guy, please explain which faucets of the team would be improved by using this draft strategy. So we have the Oilers, the Wild, and the Leafs. Which team? So are we saying the, which team should take, like if they could ha- take Askarov, Drysdale, or Sanderson, which should they take? Edmonton. Yes. Well, who would they take? Oh, Askarov. I would say Toronto would take Sanderson because he plays better defense. If you have to go with that craziness. What are the options again, Ryan? Sanderson, Askarov. And uh, Drysdale. So hmm. you have we have Edmonton would go Askarov. Um, uh, Minnesota would probably also go Askarov. Or Drysdale. No, they go Askarov. And I would say, yeah, Toronto goes Sanderson. Jersey time. Uh, given our orange wings are looking good, are looking the goods, please tell me the best iteration of their jersey. Don't get it wrong, though. Ooh, the best flyer jer- Flyers jersey ever. They've had some pretty hot jerseys, especially of late. Um, their black and orange like highlighter jerseys really grew on me like those uh, stadium series one. Oh, the ones they classic. have now i was thinking of the the black ones their black alternates of the late 90s early 2000s were pretty good with the white shoulder that went all the way down the arm those are pretty sweet big fan of those jerseys so I'll, i'd probably go with those i'm gonna be a heathen i like like the flyers do shoulders better than almost anyone else i think they're they're orange and black stadium series jerseys they had 2017 and in 2019 those two are tied for me i love both of those yeah i just looked it up and i knew i liked their black jerseys but now that i'm looking at them i like them a lot more they're nice at stay fresh cheese bags we understand that for simple good old ontario boys like brad and evan words are hard that's why we have created the stay fresh cheese bag center for adults who can't read good and want to learn to do other stuff good too (laughs) 
As a way of improving literacy among Hicks, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags of Fournier Company and heaps good for being more learned. Uh, Nick says, Brad, you're going to hate this one. The Wings should offer sheet Matt Barzell. Let's have a look at the Islanders cap friendly page. If I'm reading it right, they have. <laughs> did Brad just hit his head off the mic? Um, uh, they have 21 players under contract and a projected cap hit of 73.4 mil. That's 8.1 million in cap space. If you can get Barzell to sign a deal that is five years at nine to 10 million per year, there's no way the Islanders could match it without blowing up a large portion of what they built. This also keeps you squarely in the two first round picks, one second and one third round pick level of compensation, assuming the same figures for last year. That'd be the 2021 and 2022 first round picks, likely a lottery pick next year. The key would be making the playoffs in a wild card spot in 2022 to keep from giving up two lottery picks. Is Matt Barzell worth a lottery pick next year and a 2022 pick in the 16 to 18 range? I would argue that he is well worth it. About 2022, assuming you can get average goaltending, Siders entering his second year and showing his worth, Hronik is still Hronik, and the bad defensemen are gone, a wild card spot doesn't seem unreasonable, especially with the top six that looks like Zadina, Barzell, Raymond, Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Barzell, Larkin, Valeno, Rass as your future top four centers. That's the makings of a dominant 200-foot team. Okay, so let me explain quickly why this is a bad idea. The lottery pick alone should be the no i know there's a second and a third round pick in there i'm not even going to mention those it doesn't matter barzell's worth however many non-first round picks you have to throw in that's irrelevant a lottery pick which could get you potentially if your franchise defenseman next year you don't even gamble on that and then you're throwing in a first round pick the year after that even if the red wings are a wild card team and picking 15 in the 15 range matt barzell went 16th you can get players like Matt Barzell in that range. Dylan Larkin went 15th. Um, but here's the thing. Next year, we know the Red Wings are going to be bad. We know that pick is going to be close to first overall. The year after that, I would say odds are equal of the Red Wings getting a wild card spot or picking first overall. Am I gambling two top five picks for Matt Barzell? Absolutely not. Zero chance. Not like. There's not even a thought in my head that says we you could should have do this. Two Matt Barzells. Honestly, maybe. <laughs> um, okay, we are going to move on to Garrett TV, who says Hockey Amigos continuing the conversation about whether or not these knockout r- round results will change the future draft lottery. I don't think the NHL has an easy out by just saying 2020 was a weird year. Remember, uh, they essentially kept the same lottery odds as usual. They're just allowing different teams to enter. So while certainly some of these better teams wouldn't normally be in, the overall system is still a problem because um, the overall system is still allowed a very low team to jump all the way up and take first. Whether or not it ends up being Pittsburgh or Winnipeg, it's still not in the spirit of parity. The worst teams are still not getting better. At this point, I just hope the most talented overall teams win it so other GMs will wake the fuck up and push for a change to this horseshit system. Grind it out, boys. Let's go Red Wings. Couldn't agree more. Bad system made worse by a pandemic. Matt says, hey, guys, as Mike Milbury is fumbling over how to describe just how bad Montreal's power play uh, was, the thought entered my head. It's almost like they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Yet as terrible as it was, Pittsburgh managed to shit the bed even worse. The other thought that is keeping me from enjoying these games to the fullest is that there's a roughly 50% chance that Lafreniere now goes to a team where he's arguably not even a top two player, assuming Toronto loses tonight and if you consider Barkov, Huberto, truly elite. The only more frustrating thing is knowing how much the league loves the stupid double draft suspense. 
Darren Helms, Dan Club says, guys, I know you're probably watching or just finished watching the Columbus Le- or the Columbus Leafs game while this is recording, but I'm with I'm game four with five minutes left. Uh Columbus is up three nothing and my girlfriend was pumped. I told her not to count out Toronto just yet. When they came back and eventually won, it was I who was in the doghouse for even putting that out there. <laughs> what could the Jackets have done once Toronto pulled Freddie? What would you have done? I don't know, man. You get shelled all game by that team. Like, I don't think Toronto had a lack of scoring chances. It was bound to break through at some point. They didn't do it again tonight, so you shouldn't be in the doghouse anymore. Nicholas, yeah, you, uh, there's not much you can do there. Nicholas C. DiMarcurio says, Sup, guys. Philly is buzzing. Put some money on them and St. Louis going to the finals. Anyways, want to hear your guys' take on some trade partners. Being out here in D.C., I'll start with the Caps. Do you see any potential deals with them or like them to move anybody after they lose to the Flyers after this year? Thanks, boys, and let's go Red Wings. Trades with the Capitals. Let me check their cap-friendly page. Um, I heard that Nick Jensen defenseman's uh, <laughs> looking to get moved. Yeah, I want to be bad uh i don't know like not a world of uh cap space they're right up against the cap with not a lot coming off this year but at the same time like don't really know if they're trying to move much you're not i don't think a detroit would take on a tj oshi contract and not like he's a burden like the guy's still a good player he's locked up through 2025 though um john carlson's already locked up for them i don't the closest thing you'll see to a, a Washington player on Detroit is maybe they make a push for Braden Holpe, which I would never count on, but it might like he's a free agent. Doesn't matter. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like a free in free agency, like it wouldn't yeah. be a trade. You, Washington's farm system isn't great. Um, they're not really that cap screwed. You could take a flyer on a lower end guy on the roster, but those guys are a dime a dozen. So I don't, yeah, yeah I don't see anything of significance happening there. Yeah, the way they have their team structured in terms of financials is actually really good. I'm taking a look at it right now. They got money in all the right places. That was a team that had to try for years and then missed their window and then won the cup. So, <laughs> yeah, they've got John Carlson for eight million. Great deal. Dmitry Orlov for 5.1, but then after that it's like 2 million, 2 million, 2 million, 1 million, 700,000. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's almost like those 4, 5, 6 million dollar middle of the pack contracts are what kills you. <clears throat> Gestures Mike- broadly at the Red Wings. Michael Barry says, "Hi guys, hope all is well. Two questions. One, what would you give up to get Jake Bean of Carolina? Good prospect behind lots of depth in Carolina." Um, uh, we'll give them a Svechnikov. I, I, yeah, like you're a second round pick, um, a, a decent prospect, but not anybody special. Maybe McIsaac. I don't, I don't know. I, I like Bean, but I'm not like bullish about him. So I wouldn't go crazy. All right, and the second question was, um, how much does playoff performance affect drafting? For instance, if Toronto loses tonight, do you think the Wings management looks at the Blue Jackets and states, we need two elite defensemen like the Blue Jackets have? Also, do you think uh, it affected how the Wings drafted last year with Sider and Petrangelo slash Pareko? Have a good one, guys. It's a copycat league. They're not going to look at Columbus and go, we need to do that because they just scraped their way into the playoffs. They're going to look at the Blues last year who won the cup, and they're going to look at whoever won the cup this year and go, okay, here's what we need to steal. Well, if they're doing a copycat league, I think we need a John Tortorella. 
Yeah, honestly. And <laughs> oh, this is why I'm show? nervous. Everybody laughs at me for how much I hate the Islanders right now. But this is why we need the Islanders to fail. We Because their system works and it's good. But it's uh, the most boring system to implement in hockey. And the Devils did it for so good for so long that it ruined hockey for the better part of a decade to the point where the NHL had to do dramatic changes on the rules to get offense back into the game. So, yeah, they're going to look at stuff like that and go, well, if that's the way the NHL goes, that's what we have to do. But if you start seeing like the high skill, high offense teams like Tampa Bay start winning it year in, year out, that will be what teams will start copying. So it's to be determined, but not looking like anything that's going to be super exciting. Evan Pardo says, between our offense and defense, which one will improve the most, even if just slightly next year? Um, I'll say, oh, that's tough. I'll say our offense. Um, I think a, a full year of Fabry and Zadina could make a bit of a difference. And hopefully if Mantha stays healthy, that's where the most opportunity was lost this year. Um, I can't imagine we'll be seeing a bottom six that routinely features uh, Abdul Kader and Ernie and these other offensive black holes, even just minor upgrades like seeing Svechnikov and Timishov, um get those regular minutes w- will help. So as much as I think Cider can come in and make an impact, I don't see impact coming anywhere else on the blue line and he will be a 19-year-old rookie for as optimistic as we are. Mistakes will be a plenty, but I, I think there's a lot of room for improvement on the offense. I'll say the defense could also addition by subtraction. So that cider could impress. I don't think they're going to get phenomenally better, but I think we're going to see a lot of steps in the right direction. Um, Sam Bangston says flyers came in hot. Please win the cup. So I have an excuse to buy that sexy orange stadium series Jersey. Um, Joseph Fournier says, Hey there fellows suggestions on a good VPN that actually allows me to use a Detroit server. I downloaded Nord VPN. And even though Google says Detroit is an option, it's usually not. I don't know. Uh, Evan, what VPN do you use? I don't even use a VPN. Not afraid yeah. of the, not afraid of anyone. They already got all the <laughs> stuff they need. Um, I'm, yeah, I don't use one. The only other one I can think of off the top of my head is Express VPN because I was going to say Nord, but he's already tried that. Um, and then he says, anyone interested in making a few bucks, check the money line on Carolina winning the cup. Very, very tempting. I think to keep in mind on Draft Lottery 2.0 Eve, yes, we're looking at the potential of adding Lafreniere to a team already stacked with elite talent. There are better odds of that happening than the Wings' original odds at first overall, but these teams don't see it that way. It's our 12.5% versus everybody else from their perspective. Looking forward to tonight's game to see how it shakes out. So you've lost eight out of your last 10 playoff games. We know your tears may fill many tree buckets, but turn on the faucet and wash them away. Relax, kick back, bust out your set of clubs and hit the links. Enjoy a round of 18 with Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. The official golf club bag of Sydney. Go cry about it, Crosby. Stay Fresh Cheese Bags. All right, guys. Um, I'm sorry. We didn't have time today for the Reddit and Twitter questions. Um, these guys are closing their eyes as we speak. So we'll wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. 
the qualifying round is over. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll probably do a YouTube live stream of some sort for tomorrow's draft lottery 2.0. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, thank you to our Patreon supporters, our name level sponsors, the septic tank of that bitch, Carol Baskins, Arjun Shanker, Greech, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Ovechkin Stan Club, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kalen Wood, Hassam Alkasem, Charlie Elkins, Hana Lee, Trevor Pevavar, Chris Ripley, Alex Ott, Ashley Van Conant, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Quaz, Stan Olson. Those are the people that make this show happen. Thank you all so much. Good night, take care, and best of luck tomorrow. Have a drink, maybe before. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.